The Wonder of the Old Book, Part 2. Same text as last week, Dale Brower's confirmation verse. Psalm 119-105. Thy word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. My dear granddaughter, Elena, she started texting early in the morning, are you coming to the game? Are you going to watch me cheerlead? Are you coming to the game? And uh, I texted back and I said, yeah, Grandma and I will be at your game. It's an hour later. Are you sure you're coming to the game? Are you sure you're coming? Game starts at 3 o'clock. Are you sure you're coming? Yes, Laney, we're coming. Okay, so there were two or three more, okay? Just flooded it. And, and now it's time to get to the game. And, and Tinley Park is clear and we're driving out to New Lenox. And I see these darkest of all clouds. Black as night. And sure enough, as we get close to the field, the downfall begins of such ferociousness that our car and a hundred other cars were to the side of the road with their flashers going, hoping that no one ran into us from behind. You couldn't see more than a foot in front of you. And that's what we talked about last week. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet when I can't see more than a few minutes down the road, when the rain is pelting down so heavy in my life, I have to pull my life to the side of the road and wait for the storm to come to an end, and I hope it does soon. When the winds are so strong because of something going on, I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. I don't know if I want tomorrow to come. It is at those moments that Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. There were many psalms that David wrote in which he was asking God to take care of a situation that encompassed many months, if not years. There were times that David wrote psalms where he said, God, you know, be with me in my kingship. Be with me during the harvest and, and be with us when we're going to battle against the Philistines. There were prayers in the psalms that covered vast amounts of time. But there were other psalms in which David was writing, God be with me at this moment. May thy word and thy promises at this moment get me through this circumstance that has arisen. I don't care about tomorrow or next month or next year. I just care about this moment because the storm is so ferocious Thy word, a lamp unto my feet at this moment. And then when the storm passes, David is like us. All of a sudden, David's psalms are not for a singular event that is happening at that moment that he doesn't know whether he's going to survive. He's back to looking at the long path. Love the video. You send your child off to school and you say, Lord, be with them there in first grade. Lord be with them, they're in 8th grade. Lord be with them, they're senior year in high school. Lord be with them, senior year in college. Lord be with them. But then if your son or daughter calls and says, Mom, I'm not feeling too well. I'm not feeling too well. I'm going to go to the emergency room. All of a sudden your prayers are not be with them the entirety of this year. 
all of a sudden your prayers are for the next few moments, the next few hours, when they're heading to that emergency room and you're already jumping into the car. doesn't matter how far away they are, you're jumping into the car. And all during that time, you are saying, God, you have promised to be with me. I am holding you to that promise now. Be with my child and be with me. A lamp unto my feet. You look at the 23rd Psalm, that's what the 23rd Psalm was all about. Same one who writes Psalm 119.105 is the same one who writes 23rd Psalm. And there are many theologians who believe the 23rd Psalm was the last Psalm that David wrote. David died when he was 72 years of age, and many a theologian believe a few weeks before he died, that's when he wrote this psalm. He looks at the long path of his life, and then he looks at individual moments that came. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. How in the world do brown pastures in our life become green? Where does that come from? It comes from His Word and His promises therein. This Word and these promises as we're reading our devotions or as we're reading Scripture, these promises are what lifts our hearts. David said in Psalm 121, I lift mine eyes unto the hills. What is he saying? I'm lifting my eyes to the promises of God. That's what makes brown pastures green. And then David writes, he makes uh, the raging water still. How does he do that? Same vehicle. The promises herein. The storm is raging. The sea waters are so high. When Jesus is on that boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and the disciples are panicked and said, we're about to drown. Don't you care? Jesus speaks what? He speaks the Word. And he says to the storm, Peace be still. What happens to the storm? It stops. Do the disciples make a connection between the stopping of the storm and the one who spoke the word? They absolutely do because they, the Bible says they were amazed. Even the winds and seas listened to him. When you have a storm going on, the waters are raging. He's still speaking to you. And this is his vehicle and these are the 7,000 promises. He says to the storm in your life, Peace be still. Peace be still. And then David says, You restore peace to my soul. Green pastures, still waters. And then he says, You restore my soul. And how does God restore peace to his soul? When the great sin has happened with Bathsheba and Uriah, he says, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Forgive a sin that is unforgivable. And God came and the next day, the prophet Nathan, 1 Samuel 12, and he says, David, your sins are forgiven. You look at David's life, as did he at the end of his days, and he looks at one circumstance after another. He's ten years of age, and the bear comes and takes one of his sheep. 
He's 11 years of age and a lion comes, takes care, takes one of his sheep. And what does he say when he's talking to King Saul? He says, when the bear came and the lion came, did he say, I was so strong, I was so gifted, I went after those animals and I restored my sheep. Did he say, me? He said, God. He says, the God of the Scripture was with me and I went after the bear and the lion. He's 72 years of age and he's looking back when he's 15 and the giant Goliath is standing in front of him. And when Saul says, here's your armor, he says, don't need any armor. I have one armor and that armor is God. God shall be with me. When the giant Goliath mocks him and curses him and spits upon him and his God, David says, you're going to have your chance, but your mouth is going to be silent real quick now. Because I don't come to you in armor or with a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. He's 10 years of age and the Word of God is already in his heart. He's 15 years of age and the Word of God is already in his heart. Samuel comes and says, you're anointed king. And for the next eight years, King Saul tries to hunt him down to kill him. All of these events in his life, the Bible records 66 battles that David was in. Before he ever entered any one of those battles, he was fearful and anxious. He won every battle. And when he described how he won every battle, it was the Word of God. There was a lamp unto his feet. When his son Absalom wants him dead, When Absalom dies, all of the events of his life, they were all wrapped up in a Christmas paper called The Power and Presence and Wisdom of God. Did you catch that in the video? Our children going off to school, and in the video, the gentleman says, may they have the presence of God, may they have the wisdom of God, and may they have the glory of God with them. here. You say, where did David get the Word of God? He really had very few scriptures. He only had 600 years of the Bible. We have 1,600 years. Where did David get the promises of God from the scripture? God, 1500 B.C., God who had always been at work in this world. Now it's the children of Israel. The the seed of Abraham has come. And the seed of Abraham is in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. They should have been wiped out. After 400 years, you lose your culture. You lose your religion. You lose everything, right? But for 400 years, God's Word kept the children of Abraham alive. The seed was to come the one named Jesus. The ten plagues come, and Pharaoh says, let them go. And they're let go, and now these one million Israelites are standing in front of the Red Sea. They know what's going to happen. They know they're going to be annihilated. They're going to be wiped out. They say to Moses, we were safe for 400 years, and now you brought us into this trap. How dumb can you be, Moses? And you know what Moses did? Of all the small group studies we've ever done, Other than the first one, Purpose Driven Life, 
When we did Red Sea Rules a couple of years ago, there were 600, 700 people involved in that. I still have people on a weekly basis say, Pastor, do you have any extra books, Red Sea Rules? I said, come into my office, open up the cabinet on the left-hand side. There's about 500 of them in there. What does God do? He opens up the waters of the Red Sea. And He saves the Israelites. And then they're in the wilderness for 40 years. They haven't drunk any water in three days. They're about to be extinguished. And God says to Moses, dig some trenches in the wilderness. God says to Moses, strike the rock at Horeb. And when David is writing his psalms and when he is facing the Philistines, And when he's facing the Benjamites, and when the adultery and the murder of Uriah has happened, every event in his life, where did he go back to? He went back to the God of Moses. He went back to the Red Sea opening, just like you and I do. God said, Moses, write it down. Moses said, why should I write it down? God said, because 3,500 years from now, my children, three billion of them on this earth, my children are going to still be looking at that story of my power, my love, and my wisdom. Do we not? Other than the thief on the cross coming to the Lord at the last moment in his life, I think I spend more time talking with people in this congregation or people that come across my path I spend more time talking about the opening of the Red Sea than any other circumstance in the Bible. Thy word, David, is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. I met with a couple yesterday. They're getting married in October. I asked them a question at the very, very end. I said, out of curiosity, tell me this. Where does God rank in your life? Scale of zero to ten, where does God rank? They said, what do you mean? And I said, does he travel with you during the course of the day? Do you pray to him? Is he consciously in your mind or heart as you're going through the day? And she said, brought up here in the church, she said, I start the morning by saying, Lord, thank you I woke up alive. Thank you that I can see and feel and walk and taste and all the rest. And she said, I'll pray to him on occasion during the day. And the gentleman she's marrying, who I don't know at all, he said, I put it at a seven, Pastor. Put it at a seven. I said, you were raised in a Christian family. He said, I certainly was. I put it at a seven, God being with me in the course of the day. He said, I'm a control freak. I'm a mechanical engineer. We're control freaks. we got to control everything. And I learned some ten years ago when something happened in my life that I can't control anything, but he can. If we were a Baptist church, I'd have him stand up here and give a testimony. But he can. And I can trust Him because of the promises in His Word. Because of what He's done in the past. I can trust Him with any circumstance. Moses, write this down. 
Isaiah, when the children of Israel are about to be annihilated by yet another empire, and you write down, your name is in God's hand. When the fire comes, it won't consume you. When the flood comes, you won't drown. I want you to write it down, Isaiah. I want you to write down all the promises of God so that when Pastor Strand is preaching 3,500 years from now, he can talk about those promises. And then Jesus comes. And you don't need anyone writing anything down anymore. Not for those three years. That's why I wanted John 1 read today. We read it at Christmas. That's why I wanted it read. The Word of God. Write it down, Moses. The Word of God became flesh. Dwelt among us for a time. Three years. The Word became flesh. And the Word spoke. It wasn't the Red Sea, it was blindness that Bartimaeus had. And Jesus said to the blindness, Leave this man. The Word spoke. The Word spoke in person. Leave this man. And the blindness left him. And for the rest of his life, he never forgot the moment. And this word, spoken by the word made flesh, this word became everything in that man's life. Followed Jesus for the rest of his days. The word became a lamp unto the path of his life. Now the blindness was gone. They had leprosy. That was their Red Sea. And Jesus said to the leprosy, leave these ten The Word made flesh spoke to the leprosy. And the Red Sea opened and the leprosy was gone. His Word was a light unto that moment when they were battling leprosy. And for the rest of their days on this earth, this Word was a lamp unto their path to the day they died. And the day before they died, they were still telling people about how the Word made flesh had healed them from their leprosy. Thirty-five miracles. And every one of them spoken by the Word made flesh. And every miracle as great as the opening of the waters of the Red Sea. And when the Word made flesh goes up to heaven, he says this, John fourteen twenty six. He says, when I leave, ten days later, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Listen carefully. He says, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. And He will bring to your mind an understanding of everything that has occurred. And when the Holy Spirit came, not Jesus, not God, the Holy Spirit said, write it down. 2 Peter 1.20 No prophecy ever originated in the mind of the prophet. No prophecy ever had its origin in the heart of the prophet. Holy men of God spoke as they were what? As they were moved and directed by the Holy Spirit. Write it down. And there you have the three entities of the Holy Bible. You have the Old Testament, all the miracles, where God said, write it down. I want people 5,000 years from now to know about my power, my wisdom, and love. 
Jesus, three years on this earth, Word made flesh. He speaks the Word. Demons leave. Leprosy is gone. Blindness is gone. The woman at Sychar's well, drink of the water I have to offer. What is the water He has to offer? His Word. She runs into the village and says, there's someone speaking a Word to me. I think He's the Messiah. And the Bible says the village all goes out there and after a couple of days, they believe in Him. Not because of the Word the woman spoke, but because of the Word that Jesus spoke. Two weeks in a row, bumped into it last week. lady at LA Fitness talking about circumstance in her life. I said, you have God in your life. She said, I wish I had Him stronger. I said, the Bible. She said, intimidated. I said the same thing I did the week before. Go and get a devotional book. Go online, Google it, Christian devotion book. In each of those devotions, there's a Bible verse. Read the verse. Read the verses before and after. And when you've read those verses, guess what? The Bible's not intimidating any longer. You've read one verse. You read what the person says that verse means in their life. And then you write down, here's what the verse means in my life. And then say, dear God, take this verse and apply it to the circumstance I'm going through right now. Thy word, dear Dale Brower, your grandparents did well. Choosing that for you. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Light unto my path. My goodness gracious, realize what you have in your house. Realize what you have on your app. And let God come to you every single day. Whether it's a peaceful time and all of a sudden His Word is a light unto your long path. Or whether some storm is coming and all of a sudden His Word is a lamp unto your feet in that circumstance. Heavenly Father, we thank You for those three great miracles. The creation of this universe. The resurrection of Your Son Jesus and His incarnation through the Virgin Mary. And then that last miracle of all, Your divine Word of which Jesus said, everything, everything, everything in heaven and on earth will pass away, but My Word shall never pass away. Never a moment, Lord, that we do not realize Your presence in our Savior's name, amen. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.